When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am today's part-time host, Simon Brooks, and I have some great stories for you on this episode. That's not surprising, is it? This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the world's best storytellers. It will take you to long ago, and will bring you back safely. Well, on this episode, we're making no promises. There's something about getting up early at this time of year, before the sun rises. One thing is that the sun rises about 7.30am, instead of 5.30am in the summer. You don't have to get up too early. But Mo and I were on a mission. We were heading to a place in New Hampshire that is supposed to be haunted. The place is a staircase, all that is left of a beautiful home, although it's called a castle by some that was once the place of parties back in the 1930s. The house had been built by a socialite, a real female equivalent of Gatsby. Yes, a real person who really lived. Antoinette Bremer. I've been there to the staircase with my daughter during the day, but I wanted to see if this place was really haunted. And October is the month to do this, isn't it? So it was the 1st of October and the moon was going to be full. A perfect night for ghosts, don't you think? (laughs) It's only about an hour and a half away, and I wanted to get there before dawn. So I got up at 4.30am, dressed, made a cup of tea for the road, and prodded Mo awake, who was sleeping on the sofa. Naughty girl. I wonder why I had been so cold during the night. She normally sleeps on the bed and keeps me warm. The drive was nice and quiet. The car lights shining beautifully on the coloured leaves, both on the ground and still on the trees. And as we headed south, the colours seemed to get more vibrant. The cold, fresh morning air came in through the windows. The tea warmed me up. Mo napped on a blanket in the back seat. It was a nice drive. The remains of the house are down a couple of dark and windy roads. No streetlights just those of the car. The house, the ruins of the house, are in a forest. We wound our way deeper between the trees and came to the parking lot. Mo jumped up. We got out of the car, locked it, and walked the path towards the ruins. There's a pool right next to the parking lot, and the moon and stars reflected back. The trees, just dark shadows, arms reaching over the water's surface. I pulled the flashlight from my jacket pocket and snapped it on. A path of bright light shone into the trees and an owl called out. Our first storyteller today is a return teller, Mr Ed Stivender. He's been here before and he'll be here again. Today, this week, he's telling the wonderful, although dark, story, Grimm's Hansel and Gretel. 
Ed credits his telling with Heather Forrest. Get ready for a bundle of Ed energy with Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> Here's one. Hansel and Gretel were brother and sister. They loved each other very much. They loved each other very much. They lived by the side of a deep, dark forest, and of all of the neighbors, they were the poorest. They loved each other very much. They loved each other very much. Now, their father was a woodcutter, but the government said that they couldn't cut any more trees, and so he fell into hard times. They didn't have enough to eat, very little money, and Hansel and Gretel were often hungry, often went to bed hungry. Well, one day, their father brought home a new person, a stepmother for the children. Now, sometimes a stepmother is the best thing that could happen to a family, but sometimes it doesn't work out quite that way. Well, that's what happened in the story of Hansel and Gretel, because their stepmother hated them. She was always complaining about they didn't clean behind their ears, and they didn't clean their nails, and they didn't help with the cooking, and they didn't help with the cleaning, and they didn't do their homework. They weren't good children at all. She didn't like them at all. But Hansel and Gretel were brother and sister, and they loved each other very much. They loved each other very much. One evening after their meager dinner, they were asleep or trying to get to sleep in their beds upstairs when they heard, These children eat too much. We got to get them out of here. These children eat too much. We're going to take them to the woods and leave them there where the wolves and the bears will take care of them. We can't take care of them here, husband. They eat too much. We're going to get them out of here tomorrow. We'll take them for a little walk into the woods and leave them there. Upstairs, Hansel and Gretel were listening to this, and Gretel said to Hansel, Hansel, are you afraid? And Hansel said, Well... You pretend that you're not afraid, and I'll pretend that I'm not afraid. We can pretend that we're not afraid together. <laughs> you pretend that you're not afraid, I'll pretend that I'm not afraid. We can pretend that we're not afraid together in any kind of weather. And you know, when you're not afraid, you can think more clearly than when you are afraid. And Hansel said, I got an idea. Tomorrow... When we go into the woods, we'll take pieces of bread and drop them along the path as we walk into the woods so that tomorrow night when the moon comes out shining bright, we can follow the pieces of bread back home. What do you think? Oh, Hansel, I'm so glad you're my brother. Oh, Gretel, I'm so glad you're my sister. Well, you can see that Hansel and Gretel were brother and sister. They loved each other very much. They loved each other very much. They lived by the side of a deep, dark forest. Of a love of the neighbors, they were the poorest. Loved each other very much. Children, time to get up. We're going for a walk in the woods. A long, long walk. Here's a loaf of bread for each of you. Don't eat it all at once. We're going to be outside of the house for a long time. 
a long, long time. So into the woods they went, and every couple of yards, Hansel and Gretel would drop a piece of bread on the way, so that that night when the moon came shining bright, they could follow the piece of bread back home. They got to the middle of the forest just as it began to get dark, and their stepmother said, All right, children, sit underneath this tree. Your father and I are going further into the woods, and we'll be back for you later. Much later. And so Hansel and Gretel were alone. Hansel, are you afraid? If you pretend that you're not afraid, I can pretend that we're not afraid. We can pretend that we're not afraid together. They looked up, and there they saw two big yellow eyes staring down at them. Who are you? I'm Hansel. This is my sister Gretel. Who are you? I'm Mr. Owl. I know everything. Oh, Mr. Owl, can you tell us when the moon is going to come out and shining bright in the sky? Oh, children, if you want the moon, you're going to have to call for Mr. Wolf. Oh, no, we don't really need to hear from Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf. And then crashing and thrashing and bashing through the forest came the greatest gray wolf they'd ever seen. He came over to the children, looked them in the eye, and said, Well, children, what is it that you want? Oh, Mr. Wolf, we're really sorry to bother you, but uh, I'm wondering, uh, uh, can you bring the moon out? Um, Is that too much to ask for, the moon? No, not too much to ask for from two children like you. And so the great gray wolf sat back on his great gray haunches, lifted his great gray head into the sky, and said, You guys ready? Arr- One more time. And there, sure enough, in the sky was the bright moon. Thanks, Mr. Wolf, said Otzel. Thanks, Mr. Wolf, said Gretel, and they started following the pieces of bread back home. I told you, you pretended you're not afraid. I'll pretend I'm not afraid. We can pretend that we're not afraid together. I'm so glad you're my brother, Hansel. I'm so glad you're my sister. And they started running down that path. Hansel and Gretel were brother and sister, and they loved each other very much. All of a sudden, they heard up ahead, tweet, 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 tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. Tweet, 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 tweet. What a treat, what a treat. Sweet bread to eat. Tweet, 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 tweet. We're having a party. Tweet, 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 sweet bread to eat. We're having a party. Oh no, birds! You've eaten all our bread. Now we'll never find our way back home. Sorry. Tweet, tweet. Thanks for the party. Tweet, tweet. Thanks for the party. Tweet, tweet. Now Hansel and Gretel were alone. No more moon. No more bread. Gretel, 
Are you afraid? Yeah. If you pretend that you're not afraid, then I'll pretend I'm not afraid, and we can't pretend we're not afraid together. And step by step, through that darkened forest they went, until they came to another clearing. And in the middle of that clearing was a great house made entirely of gingerbread. Out front there were lemonade fountains and potato chip leaves on all the trees. The door was a large chocolate bar. They ran up to the house and started taking pieces of the gingerbread and eating it. Say, if you pretend you're not afraid, I'll pretend I'm not afraid. We can pretend that we're not afraid together. Nibble, nibble like a mouse. Who's that nibbling on my house? Nibble, nibble like a mouse. Who's that nibbling on my house? And the door opened and out stepped the witch with a nose as long as a poker and large squinty eyes. Oh, what have we here? Who are you? My name's Hans. This is my sister Gretel. We really didn't know this was your house and I'm sorry that we started eating it. Oh, two little children. Oh, how sweet. Two little children, sweet enough to eat. Come in, children, come in. You must have some good food. And they sat down at the table, and they ate some good food. Sausages and potatoes and milk and spinach. (laughs) They knew it was healthy food. Hansel and Gretel, when they were finished their dinner, were pretty tired, and so the witch said, Oh, go upstairs and sleep in Granny's feather bed. I'll wake you in the morning. And so the children did, and when they were gone, Two little children, oh, how sweet. Two little children, sweet enough to eat. I'll fatten them up, and then I'll sup on two little children, sweet enough to eat. She went in back of the house and brought in a cage big enough for a deer, put it in the middle of the kitchen, and then in the morning... Children, come downstairs. As the children came downstairs, the witch said, Hansel, I want to test this cage to see if it's strong enough for a deer. Won't you just step into it, deer? (laughs) And Hansel stepped into the cage. As soon as he was inside, the witch closed the door and cast a spell on it. Gretel, run away, run away. Gretel ran to the door, and then she turned around and said, you know what she said, you pretend that you're not afraid, and I'll pretend that I'm not afraid, and we can pretend that we're not afraid together in any kind of weather. Oh, very good choice, Gretel. So you can stay and help me clean the house and do the cooking and do the washing and serve good food to your brother. We're going to make him fat, and then we'll have a feast in his honor. And so they stayed, and every day Gretel did the cooking, and Hansel got fatter and fatter and fatter. But every day when the witch came to the door of the cage, Stick out your finger, Hansel. He would stick out a chicken bone. The witch would feel the chicken bone and say, Not yet, not yet. Until finally she couldn't wait any longer and said, Today's the day. Gretel, we're going to have a feast with your brother. Start the fire in the oven, dear. Oh, I, uh, I forget how to start the fire in the oven. Oh, you impudent little child. 
Go like this. She brought her over to the oven, holding her by the ear, and then the witch took a match, lit the match, leaned into the oven, and as she leaned in, Gretel pushed her into the oven, and the witch was no more. Up in a puff of smoke went she. All of her spells were broken, and the door of the deer cage burst open. The flue burst open, and out of the flue above the stove came gold, diamonds, jewels, rubies, and Hansel and Gretel began to stuff their pockets with the gold and the diamonds and the rubies. And down the road they went, Gretel running, Hansel waddling as fast as they could. All of a sudden, they were joined by a friend. Well, children, you got the moon, didn't you? Oh, yes, Mr. Wolf, we got much better than that. We've got jewels and diamonds, and we just escaped from a witch. Come on, Hansel. Would you like a ride, said the wolf. Oh, yes, said Hansel. I would really like a ride. Hansel jumped on the wolf. Gretel jumped on the wolf, and they ran. The wolf, they sat, and the wolf ran all the way to the river at the edge of the forest. And there on the other side of the river, they saw their father. Hansel, Gretel, father, we're here. A swan came to their side of the river. They got on the back of the swan, and the swan took them over to the other side, and they jumped into their father's arms and said, Father, look, we've got gold and diamonds and rubies. We'll never be poor again. Where's stepmother? Children, your stepmother is gone forever, I'm afraid. Oh, too bad. (laughs) Father, we've got adventures we'd like to tell you about. We pretend that we're not afraid, and then you can pretend that you're not afraid, and all of us can pretend that we're not afraid together. And they did. They didn't have to be afraid now that they had some things, some gold. And they lived there without a stepmother. Hansel and Gretel were brother and sister. They loved each other very much. They loved each other very much. They lived by the side of a deep dark forest and all of their neighbors, they used to be the poorest, but they loved each other, loved each other very much. Now, you know, some stories end in tears, some stories end in laughter. The ones that I like best are the ones that end happily ever after. Are you looking for somewhere to stay that is beyond your imagination? Not worried about price per night? Then Peter Piper picked a pepper and turned it into a pumpkin. For a short time, these giant pumpkins will be made into temporary homes for the rich and infamous. Politicians and corporate lawyers are more than welcome to stay. Peter Piper's pumpkin patch will not leave you feeling cramped. On the contrary, these are the most giant of giant pumpkins. The decor quite devilishly elvish. The appliances state-of-the-art, built to last by the Scandinavian trolls. Book your rental by owner with Peter Piper pumpkins. It might cost you an arm and a leg, but you can also pay in blood. 
A big shout-out to Jamie and the Carrier Pigeons. Thanks so much for your note and patronage. It's people like you who keep the podcast alive. And with Halloween coming, let's keep it alive. (laughs) Did you know that most of the patrons of the podcast have the unique ability to pick their nose without being caught? Whether you're driving, parking, walking down the street, jogging, if you become a patron, you may be able to pick your nose in public and not be noticed. Don't take our word for it. If you become a patron, you too might be able to discover this ability within yourself. Become a patron and pick your nose proudly. The light flashed between tree trunks, bright in the darkness. Mo stayed close. We have never been out at night, other than in town, and she's leashed then, in the dark of winter mornings, but not at night. Here in the woods, she was off-leash, but she stayed right by my side. We crunched over the leaves uphill, came around the corner, and there it was, the staircase. Starting on the right and curving up and to the left, Three great arches below. The staircase. Shining the flashlight through the largest arch, you could see the other foundation walls beyond. Although it's called a castle, it's more like a large house, now totally in ruins. But it was only used for parties. The most extravagant parties that you can imagine. People would dress up and no one could outdo the owner of the house, Antoinette Bremer a French clothes designer who had moved from New York to this quiet, rural New Hampshire town. In its heyday, the first floor was a single room with a bar for dancing and singing. In the cellar, there was a bistro for dining. But in the dark, I could only see outlines, shadows, the stone staircase looming up, lit by the moon. Clouds occasionally passing by made the night one moment dark, the next darker still. Mo and I slowly drew closer to the staircase where Mo stopped and the hackles on her back rose and she emitted a low growl. I crouched down to calm her, whispering in her ear. Then it got a lot colder, very quickly. Softly, so softly, I could hear singing. The voice seemed to have an accent, and the song an old one. I knew Nina Simone's version, but the I want a little sugar in my bowl that I now heard was sung in a more reedy, ghostly voice. Mo suddenly took off between the trees, heading back to the car. I stood to follow her, but then saw this apparition appear at the top of the stone steps. A short woman, in a white dress, and feathered headdress, seemed to be dancing to her own song as she sang. She swung back and forth loosely and began to walk down the stairs. I don't think she noticed me, but I moved into the deeper shadows of the arches beneath the stairs, which cast a great shadow on the ground. I noticed when I looked. However, there was no shadow of the woman. The voice got closer and closer as she descended the stone steps. A 
As soon as she stepped off the last stone step of the staircase, I could once again see her. She walked outward, seemed to be greeting people, but none that I could see. And then she faded away, vanishing with grace. The sky began to lighten. I stood there, the air warming up once more. I whistled and called for Mo, and she joined me, although reluctantly. I had seen the ghost of Antoinette Bremer. To shake this amazing feeling off, Mo and I took the flashlight and explored some of the other forest trails there, as the sky grew lighter and lighter. We left when the crows and blue jays woke and called out their winter song. Our second spooky storyteller comes from where people talk in funny voices and wear a lot of seersucker and bow ties. Tim Lowry is a friend of mine who fits that bill and is one of my favourite tellers of spooky stories. He's a super nice guy, but you see another side of him when he gets his ghost on. Before reaching for the pumpkin pie, Tim is telling Getting the Creeps. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a father, and he had two sons. His older son was a very smart young fellow, did very well at whatever he put his hand to. But the younger son, well, to be honest, you'd have to say he was a blooming idiot. He just didn't understand anything, like turns of phrase and expressions of speech. For instance, one night the father sent the boys down to the river to fetch back pails of water, and the older boy said, Oh, Papa, don't make us go down to the river now. It's already dark, and I don't like walking around in the dark. That gives me the creeps. And the younger boy said, What are creeps? I've never had any creeps. People say that. Gives me the creeps. Are creeps like money? Do you keep them in your pocket? Can you trade creeps for candy? Oh, for heaven's sake. Another time, the two boys had gone to visit a friend, and when they returned, it had gotten rather late, and the younger boy said, "'Let's take a shortcut through this graveyard,' and the older said, "'Oh, no, I don't like to walk among the gravestones. I don't like to step upon the graves of dead people. That just makes my skin crawl.' "'How does your skin crawl when it has no arms and legs of its own? Take your skin off and throw it down and let me see it crawl around.' Oh, good grief.' The father was talking to the old sexton at the church, about his younger son and what an idiot he was, and the old sexton said, Ah, if you want the boy to learn how to get the creeps, if you want him to learn how to make his skin crawl, send him over to the church just before midnight. I'll give him a good fright. I'll give him the creeps. He'll get a scare he won't soon forget. And so the young boy was sent over to the church just before midnight, and the old sexton met him on the doorstep, and he said, We want to mark the anniversary of the passing of a dear old saint who is buried in our church cemetery by ringing the bell just at midnight. But I'm old and rickety, and you are young and on your first legs. Would you do me the favor of climbing the stairs into the bell tower and pulling the bell cord for me? Well, the boy started up the stairs, and the old sexton said, I can't send a light with you. There's not enough oil for the lamp. And be careful, there are bats in that belfry. Now the old sexton had a plan. He was going to climb into the bell tower a different way and stand at the top of the stair with a bedsheet thrown over himself and pretend to be a ghost and frighten the boy. 
But when the boy got to the top of the stairs and saw what looked like a ghost standing there in front of him, not knowing fear when he stared it straight in the face, he simply said, I've been told to ring the bell. Kindly get out of my way. Well, the sexton didn't say anything. He was trying to scare the boy. He just stood there going, Ooh. And the boy said, If you don't get out of my way, I'm going to grab you by the left leg and throw you down the stairs. The man didn't say anything, and so the boy grabbed him by the leg and threw him down the stairs, rang the bell, and then went home. The next morning, when the old churchman came to complain to the boy's father, the father said to his son, He was trying to give you the creeps. Make your skin crawl. Well, that was a silly way to do it. If you wanted to give me the creeps, said the boy, why didn't he just reach into his pocket and hand me a few? Oh, for heaven's sake, that's not what it means. <sighs> Go out into the world and seek your own fortune. I'm tired of looking at you. And for heaven's sake, when you go out to seek your fortune, don't tell anybody who your father is. I'm ashamed to know you. So the boy started off down the road to seek his own fortune and make his own way in the world. After traveling for some time, he came to a crossroads, and he met a man upon horseback. And the man on horseback said, Where are you bound? And the boy said, I don't rightly know. Where is it that you come from? I don't remember. Well, what is it that you want? Well, what I want more than anything in the world is to learn how to get the creeps. People are all the time saying, that gives me the creeps. That makes my skin crawl. This is a talent that I must possess for myself. Ah, said the man on horseback, if you want to learn how to get the creeps, turn here at this crossroad and go down into the village. You go to the town square and you'll meet a man who was dating the rope maker's daughter and he came to the wrong end of it, if you know what I mean. Well, the man upon horseback was speaking of a public hanging. But this fool child didn't know what he was speaking of, and so he went right down the road into the village, and there was a dead man swinging from a rope in a tree. All the crowd that had came to witness the hanging had gone home, and the boy watched the man for several minutes, and then he said, It's getting late, and it's starting to get chilly. I'll build you a fire. And he gathered sticks, and he built a fire there in the town square, and then he cut the dead man down and set him up next to the fire. But the man, being thoroughly dead, fell right over into the flames. The boy jerked him out again and said, Don't you have any better sense than to touch fire? You could burn yourself. Now I say I'm going to have to hang you back in the tree. And so he tied the rope around the dead man, strung him back up in the tree, and walked on down the road. After several days' journey, the boy came to a roadside inn. When he entered the inn, the innkeeper said, Ah, where are you from? And the boy said, A far place. Ah, where are you going? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, well, who is your father? Oh, I'm not allowed to say. Well, what is it that you want? Well, what I want more than anything in the world is to learn how to get the creeps. People say, Oh, that gives me the creeps. That makes my skin crawl. Ah, said the innkeeper. If you want to know how to get the creeps, follow the path behind this inn into the forest. There you will find a haunted castle. You'll learn how to get the creeps soon enough. And so the boy walked down the path behind the inn, and he came to a great castle. The door was flung open wide. It was not locked because no one feared burglars. The place was haunted, and no one was brave enough to go in. But the boy walked right through the open door and up the stairs, and he explored many rooms, bedchambers here and there along a great hall. And after he grew tired, he climbed up in a great bed and pulled the covers right up to his chin and went sound asleep. In the middle of the night, 
The bed jumped up off the floor and went zooming out into the hallway, zipping in and out of all the rooms and banging into the doors and slamming against the walls, and then it came back to the spot where it had started and landed with a crash. <laughs> now, most people who had been thrown about a house in a magic enchanted bed would run away screaming, but not this boy. He just sat up and said, Ooh, that was a merry ride. Let's do it again. The next morning, when he went back to the inn, the innkeeper said, Ah, you probably saw the enchanted bed that throws people out the window and causes them to fall and break their neck. Is that what it was, said the boy. If you hang on tightly, it's like a merry sleigh ride. Go back tonight, said the innkeeper, and you'll find two things that'll make your skin crawl. You'll soon learn how to get the creeps. So the boy returned. This time, instead of exploring the bedchambers high above, he went down below and he found the palace kitchen. There was a roaring fire in the fireplace, and there was a pot of soup boiling on the fire. The boy picked up a great wooden spoon, and he started to stir the soup round and round. And from the corners of the room, he heard voices saying, We're cold. We're hungry. Well, you're never going to get fed, said the boy, unless you come and sit by the fire. And all of a sudden, two black cats came leaping out of the shadows and sat down on either side of the boy. As the boy stirred the soup round and round, the cats frisked their tails, winked their eyes, and licked their lips. The boy didn't like the look of those cats one bit. So he snatched them up by the tails and threw them into the fire and burned them up. The next morning, when he went back to the inn, the innkeeper said, Ah, you probably saw the two witches. They disguise themselves as cats, and they'll eat children like you. Is that what they were, said the boy. I didn't like their looks. I snatched them up by the tails, threw them into the fire, and burned them up. Well, go back tonight. Third time is charm. No man has been in that castle three nights and ever returned to tail the tail. You'll soon learn how to get the creeps. Your skin will crawl. This time, when the boy set out from the inn, the innkeeper's wife was sitting on the bench next to the doorway. And she grabbed the boy by the elbow and looked at her husband and said, Why did you tell him that? We'd hate to see the light go out of these pretty eyes. The boy did not realize that she was speaking of his very death. He went right back to the haunted castle. He ate soup from the pot. He slept in the bed. Nothing seemed strange. But in the middle of the night, the boy was awakened by a rumbling sound like thunder and a crash like lightning. Only these sounds did not come from high above. They came from deep down below. And so the boy slipped out of bed. He walked to the end of the hallway, and then he descended a dark stone stair. When he came to the very bottom, he stood looking at a great iron door. He pushed the door open on creak hinges and looked in on a cold dark dungeon at the far end of the dungeon there were ten white bones standing up on end and arranged in the shape of a triangle the boy advanced and looking at the bones said aloud why somebody's been bowling that's the rumbling and the crashing that i heard they've been using these bones for their bowling pins but where's the bowler now and then the great iron door slammed shut, and from behind the door a voice said, I'm here, of course. 
and when the boy turned round, there stood an old soldier, a full seven and a half feet tall. Well, you have these bones for pins, said the boy, but what do you use for a ball? My head will do. And the soldier reached up, grabbed himself by the hair of the head, popped his head right off his shoulders, threw it across the floor, and it crashed into the bones, and three of the bones toppled over. The boy didn't know whether to look at the head on the floor or the shoulders of the soldier. Looking between the two, he finally said, Is that the best you can do? I can do better. You don't know how to hold a bowling ball properly. You're supposed to stick your fingers in the holes. He walked over and shoved his fingers into the nose of the head. He walked back a few paces, hurled the head across the floor. It crashed into the bones and the rest of them fell over. There, that's called a strike. I win. Kindly put my head back on my shoulders. So the boy picked up the head by the ears, plonked it onto the shoulders of the soldier, and then the old spirit said, You're the only person who's ever been brave enough to bowl with me, and now that you have beaten me at my own game, I will tell you there are three chests of gold buried in the floor of this dungeon. One is for the king, give the second to the poor, and the third one is for you. And with that, all of the ghosts left the house, and it was haunted no longer. The king was so grateful to have his castle back that he allowed the young boy to live there, and he became a royal prince. When he was of age, he married the king's daughter, and soon, when the king died, he would become the leader of the land. But he was not at all happy. Every night before he went to bed, he would look at his beautiful wife and say, I still want to know how to get the creeps. If I could just learn how to make my skin crawl, then I could die a happy man. <sighs> His wife grew so tired of hearing him complain about such nonsense that one night she slipped out of the house and went down to the river and scooped up a bucket full of icy cold water swimming full of little silver minnow fish. She came back into the house, and when she went into the bedchamber, she jerked the covers off her husband and threw the icy water onto him, and the little silver fish went wiggling into his nightshirt and slapping against his skin, and he jumped out of bed and said, Oh, bless the Lord, my skin is crawling. I finally learned how to get the creeps. And that was the end of that. Thank you for listening to Story Story Podcast. Show the love and go and find more of Ed and Tim's wonderful work on their websites. As you might imagine, it's hard to find an audience and work right now. So spend, spend, spend some cash on them. And when you can, buy directly from these wonderful storytellers. Every little bit counts. You can find Rachel Ann and her podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. There's no E. There you will find the visual candy from the fairy tale sponsor ads and other goodies. Me, I'm on Instagram at Simon M. Brooks and on Facebook and on my website, simonbrooksstoryteller.com. Diamond Scree? Yes, that's me. The Winnie the Pooh-like brains behind today's fairy tale sponsor belong to me. The inspiration for the true fairy tale came from a visit during the summer to this amazing place in New Hampshire. The one in the story. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors. They are a lot of fun. And let me, Anne and Isabel know a favourite story you have heard of the favourite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. Maybe one of us could record it for you. Like someone who asked for stone soup. And we recorded that especially. Come on, send in a request. It'll be fun. 
This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. For those of you who have become a patron to Rachel Ann, thank you. You make the world a better place. If you would like to become a supporter of the podcast or discover real sponsorship opportunities to rival those of Fairy Tale Geographic or Peter Piper's Pumpkin Home Rental, you can find links on storystorypodcast.com. Head over to the website and join the mailing list for hidden goodies. And don't forget to live creepily ever after. <laughs> See ya. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal 